Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. Guys, I'm really excited because this is one of my really good buddies and he's someone who's absolutely changed my life. And I say that because I could have gone down the wrong path in regards to, you know, maybe surgery. I could have done a lot of things that would have been a really poor choice if I didn't have somebody who was watching my back and, and doing it and literally watching my back, watching my neck. And, uh, and this guy really knows his stuff and it's important for him to, to tell us and to continue, continue to tell me, you know, Hey, you got to get this right. Or what's the point of any of this, right? If your health isn't there. So guys, welcome to the show, Dr. Steve Fos. Hi, everybody. Pleasure. <laughs> no, dude, this is good. Like I said, I mean, uh, it was important to have you on, but I, I wanted to, before we go into kind of who you are and what you do, because I, I do want you to, to give uh, everybody a little bit of your background. I got to ask you this one question. You know, you have a lot of urgency, <laughs> right? I feel like you have a lot of urgency in, yeah. in what you're doing. My thing that I've seen because obviously I'm on here talking to people who you know have their own business, who are high performers, who are, like I said, entrepreneurs, people who want to take a side hustle to their main hustle, you know, athletes. One thing that I think that separates some of the average to the the exceptional is having that urgency or having that internal like beating clock that's like, hey man, you got to get it going. I mean, obviously I know you have children and, and that's a big part of it, but you, you had this before that. So I'm not going to let you use that excuse. What do you think that urgency comes from for you? Um, so first of all, I agree. Um, that is a part of my personality that again, I don't know you know, there's pros and cons to everything. So it's not like, you know, because we're driven, it's always, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like there is some downsides to that and and knowing there's a balance and, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day and understanding that balance is probably the hardest part for, you know, I would say people that are in my shoes and feel they're the same way. Um, I don't really know where the, I don't know where it intuitively comes from, but I, I can say that, um, I don't know. I've always been the underdog a little bit and you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a little brother syndrome. I don't know. I've had patients come up to me and say, you're the youngest, aren't you? And I, and you know, they kind of joke around, but I guess I am. And so, you know, maybe being smaller in, in sports that always played a role, maybe just the little brother syndrome. Um, when it comes to my personality, I'm just extremely, hmm. I can't stand when I don't know the reason why that's mm. the big, I, I don't care if I'm wrong or right. I just, I like to understand the reasons why. And, and so mm. I don't care if we're talking about, you know, how to 
how to build a pool. I just got a pool installed this week and understand, even though I'm paying for it done, I like to understand why things are being done the way they are. And I feel like my personality, I'm, I'm very type A and there's a, there's a efficiency productivity type of mode that I, that I'm, I like, well, not that I, I like to be in, but it's, it's just where I function at its at the highest is it's the way I'm most comfortable, but having fun too. Like there's this just constant bliss that I get from being productive and yes. enjoy how I'm doing. It's just like the most satisfying feeling there is. So I just enjoy it. It's just, that's what it is. Yeah. That's a perfect, that is actually, I never thought of it. The little brother syndrome. I know that, uh, that certainly is one of the, and I never thought of it. That's probably a portion of why I have the urgency, but I also, I like accomplishing things, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a physical therapist, right? So I have to solve painful problems for people very quickly and I don't have mm. time to not get them better in a day or two, you know, um, like I have to solve problems now and understand all those dynamics. So, you know, it's funny because I, I don't, I don't know, you know, you do something very different than I do. But when I watch your content and I watch why you're doing what you're doing, I see the passion that you have the same way that I do. And it's funny how many parallels I see in your job that surprise me, that keep me coming back to watching your stuff because it's, it's crazy, but there's so many parallels in regards to, and I'm going off a little bit on a tangent that maybe was a question later on. But when I see your breakdown and your analysis of how to get to your client to come to a mutual agreement, that is literally my job. It's just in healthcare. It's just in mm. healthcare, same concept. You have to break these barriers down. You guys are at a standoff, a negotiation, but you're trying to do the same thing. Um, but you're thinking about it two different ways and you have different values on certain things. So watching you break down your negotiations of, well, how do I get to this person to sell the house or flip this house or finance this thing? It's funny because I do the same thing. I have someone come into my office and say, dude, I'm just here because my doctor told me to. I got arthritis. I don't really know what you're going to do for me. And so there's a standoff right away. This dude is in my office for me to help him, but he's almost telling me he, I can't help him already off the bat. <laughs> Problems that I can't fix because the underlying messages that have already been given to this person from the internet, the doctor, or other things that or their environment and their brothers and uncles have had, you know, knee arthritis too that have failed, right? So there's so many things that go into these complex relationships and building rapport is like, it's, it's an art. And, and I find, I see the art in what you do and it's, it's intriguing. It's, I find it useful for my, for my practice too. So it's cool. Well, that means a lot. It means a lot. Cause I, uh, I appreciate that you're, you're, you're saying those nice things, but I got to tell you, I think, you are absolutely a salesperson. And, and, and I say that in a positive way. I think people have a, a negative connotation to that, but you really need to sell, right? You need to sell the real way and the true method of helping people because they automatically watch these movies and these TV shows or they go online and they read like, hey, this is surgery or hey, you got to go to this. And you have to say, no, it's not that. It's actually much simpler. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they don't want to believe that, Steve. They really, truly want to be like, no, I'm, I'm going under the knife. That's the only way. To do. That's the easier answer. And yeah. I think, and it's not just like, I never take the easy answer. That's not saying I'm better than that or I don't. But um, the, the easiest barrier that makes the most sense is always where we tend to lean, especially when we are busy and stuff like that. Like, um, it's just easier to say, I got arthritis. I'm just going to deal with it. Um, you know, but 
but being able to teach value on getting those patients directly to get them to hopefully change, or if I'm getting them from a doctor specifically that showed them how bad their x-rays are and they didn't know about it a week ago, there's, there's so many dynamics that you have to take in regards. And, and, and same thing with, you know, again, in the environment that they grew up in, if, if their whole family has bad knees or whatever, there's lots of different things that play a role in just like, again, going back to your stuff, like this person is really against flipping this house or selling it to you or financing it because they have strong feelings and relationships with it or, you know, other things influencing their life that you don't know about until you dive in and ask, right. you got to put your cards out and let's, let's look at the hand. Right. In healthcare, my job isn't to convince necessarily. It's to teach. These are your options. I'm going to help you decide which one's best for you. And if I have five patients that all have the same condition, that whether I can fix it or not, my job is to explain all of the options so they can make the right decision for them. Yeah. And that, and that's very helpful because I believe that you do a really good job of, you know, you're, you're asking the questions and, and you ask those questions so that you can understand their why of being there, number one. But, you know, maybe there's some underlying issues that, hey, I, like for me, you know, Steve saved my life because I had a serious what I thought was shoulder pain. And I was completely 100% sold that this was a torn rotator cuff. And it probably could have been surgically uh, it could, I could have gotten surgery on that. I, I think that I could have probably walked in somewhere and someone would have said, yeah, let's, let's put you under, let's figure this out. And it was not anything to do with my shoulder. It was my neck. And it was just super crazy that, uh, that someone was going to be able to take the time because he asked the questions. I feel like some people, and, and maybe this is just my experience in, in some healthcare situations where not a lot of questions are being asked and it's, and it's more of, uh, you know, how can I get you out quicker? And it's not on them. I know they got a lot going on and this is just the system that they're in. But do you, do you feel that way too? Or am I kind of out of bounds there? Is that a little off there? No, it's exactly right. You know what I'm doing with my business and how it's completely different. Well, let's talk about that. I want to talk about your business and what you do differently too. So I want to give you that because I, again, I can't tell you how how much it helped me. And that's why I wanted to, to have you on here because I know there's people that are going to be listening that you're going to be able to help. So yeah, go into, you know, what you're doing, why it's different and, yeah. you know, who are the types of people that you can help? So very quick background of what I am and what I do. I'm a physical therapist. I went to UB for seven years. I've been practicing PT for about eight or nine. Um, I started locally at a facility that was very nice. They do a great job with all patients that come in, um, post-operative, pre-operative, you know, chronic pain, arthritic injuries, rotator cuff, meniscus, ACLs, whatever. And that clinic was great for me to start. And I saw tons of patients. We did really well. I did well with my patients. And at some point, uh, again, whether it's this entrepreneurial type of mode or there's, there's this longing to kind of learn more. I felt like I was as good as I was going to be at that place after like three years. And then, you know, really just pushing myself again, I don't know where this comes from, but I decided to kind of explore other options and just see, because I'm just like, there's, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just curious. It's such a big world. Right. And so 
what I did was I got an offer from another place that did things completely opposite. So briefly, again, the first job I was seeing probably two or three patients at once. Um, it was high efficiency. It was it, it was mentally the mode that I do really well in. It was busy. It was nonstop and helping a lot of people. And I I got an offer from somebody who wanted me for the things that I have done there to do some stuff at their facility. And this place was exactly the opposite. So this place on one with people for 30 minutes, you're in and you're out, you teach. And the way we do our physical therapy, it was completely different. It was so different that I thought they were quacks. I thought this was a joke. I didn't know. <laughs> really? Yeah. I heard about people that do things like this. And I used to kind of poke, you know, poke fun and, and poke jabs at them and stuff like that. But again, it's my curiosity and, and, I'm not really afraid of failure and I don't even really believe in that word. Mm. I just was like, what do I have to lose? I have another job offered. That's even, it was even a little bit more than where I was at. So that was a nice bonus, but I'm like, what do I got to lose? I've been here my whole life. This place is on the other opposite side of the spectrum. And this place has more people going in than my place. And I thought my place was the best. So Mm. I'm like, I got to learn what these people are doing. Cause I, the worst case scenario is I was right and these people are quacks and I go get another job or I learn something really cool and I can help people in a very different way, which I know would set me up for some future success. So I go there and again, it's one-on-one for 30 minutes in and out and the treatment style is very different. It's more te- it's more fixing with the person, but then teaching them how to do it themselves and not, I don't know, this is kind of harsh, but I'm not babysitting people as much to do their stuff. Right. I get them better in the room and then I teach them how to do it on their own. And that's truly where I learned that, man, these people aren't quacks. These are all the people that I actually, they're, they're thinking the same stuff I am in regards to like where healthcare needs to go and and beliefs about really where, where we should go with this and our role in healthcare. So that place just took my skills and my excitement for what I do to just a whole nother level. I mean, from that place, I couldn't get away from the person who's been in 10 years of pain and have degenerative disc disease. I can't go walk away and give them a hot pack and, or if they hurt with an exercise, uh, just do less. I got to go help someone out. You can't do that, which is what a lot of end up. A lot of places are like that. And again, it's not to attack individual places. You're working the best you can in the system you're in. Um, but it forced me to learn these different skills of asking the questions, diving deeper into pain, understanding how they get to their beliefs and when, where they are. And my physical skills of helping people with less equipment, I can help people in a home. I can help people when they're at work. I can, I, you know, I'm a physical therapist. I get hurt too. Yeah. (laughs) I have to put money on the table. I have to go to work. I still have to do the stuff I enjoy mentally to keep me healthy and physically to keep me healthy. I don't have time to go to two or three times a week to PT for three years. Right. Forced me to teach people how to be their own physical therapist. And as soon as I confirmed this belief that these guys are either crazy or they're really onto something. And I was shown these guys are really onto something and they're doing kind of what I wanted to do. um, I just went all in. And then it was a point of how do I get to where I want to be? What do I want this thing to look like? And so, um, where do I go from there? I mean, there was, there were some discussions at that place of, of me growing into being the owner of this place. But again, it wasn't, it just wasn't the right, it was the right place, but not at the right time with the right people. 
So um, I just knew, I, again, it was one of the situations where I knew where I was, where I wanted to be, wasn't going to be there. So I knew, again, it was some point of jumping into something else that I knew I wanted to get to. And eventually I made the jump to, again, uh, another position that does home care. So I go to people's homes, but what that job does is it offered me the flexibility to build what I do. And what I do now is I do my own practice. I'm completely out of network with insurance companies. Um, I'm cash pay healthcare, which is very rare and strange. And most people think I'm crazy until I explain reasons. Um, I started doing telehealth and concierge. And that's what we did together. And that was very helpful for me, especially for, you know, maybe someone that does, um, that might be time poor, uh, but is willing to, you know, again, take a chance on something that's new. Uh, obviously telehealth is is still very new to, at least for me, I know it's not a new thing, but it was, it was new for me. And I'm sure for people that are, you know, uh, as, as they call them boomers, uh, it it could be pretty new for them, but talk about that and how that's been a change for you and how that came about and maybe how that is becoming involved where you're really able to do exactly what you'd be able to do right in someone's home, but via telehealth. So telehealth is not new. It's new in America. It was forced on us by the pandemic to continue to be able to help people that were struggling, but we couldn't physically be there. Um, But it's been going on for decades in places like Australia and stuff like that, where, you know, there's 150 miles before a doctor's appointment or, you know, so telehealth has been utilized in other parts of the world. Um, And again, the pandemic forced the business side of it, as you're obviously, if you have a brick and mortar facility and you have to treat patients and you have bills and all of a sudden, you know, the government and the world's shutting down, you have to still be able to help those people, but also keep your doors open. So, um, I was into telehealth as soon as I was exposed to these new skills that I acquired and realized I don't need, a an alter G treadmill. I don't need uh, all these weights. I don't need all this to fix people's pain. Sometimes it's necessary to improve some situations, but it's not always needed. And once I was exposed to that, that's where I really gravitated. And for me, the pandemic was kind of cool because it forced others to get into what I was interested in. And it, and it basically, for me, it proved my concept and, and not just mine, others that have been, that are doing what I'm doing. Um, it was, it was the marketing. It forced people to do it. And it probably saves some years of seeing how it can actually help people um, without being hands-on. But again, there's those barriers, right? I mean, if you were a patient that went to a chiropractor for three years for your neck, um, how the hell is this going to fix me through a phone? You know, you have to still be able to teach people how, you know, dosing different movements or stretches can equal a manipulation over time and stuff like that. And so, again, there's a lot of education that goes into that. Um, yeah, I think that one is going to be a heavily uh, an education-based model, and the people who really want to get better will do that. And those are your people, because you know it's funny when you were talking about you know that one model, right, which is like that churn and burn kind of model, and uh, you know you churn through uh, patients. I would even say you probably churn through employees. I mean, no way that people go to school for as long as you guys do. And then they go into that kind of environment. You're probably, I know people who have quit physical therapy and they've been real estate full time or they, or they find something else because it's like, Hey, this is not what I signed up for, but it's like, this is it. 
If you yeah. want to do it, you're this is our, this is the model. But you're yeah. saying, Steve, there's a different way of doing it, and you're obviously doing it, and you're living it, and it's and it's. I've done both, and I would go your side every single time. So it's just interesting that uh, you bring that up, and I, I'm sure you've seen the same thing. Well, it is it is exactly that, and there is so many options and the ability to do this, but um, not to get. Well, first of all, let's go into healthcare professionals. They went into healthcare because they care about helping people. Right. We don't know shit about business. Right. We don't know business. We don't know sales. Right. No marketing. We didn't do that. We, we, we were trained medically and we learned how to fix people, but no, very few healthcare professionals understand the importance of marketing and value and sales. And like, just because we went to school, you don't deserve shit. We paid a degree, but we're not, mm. you have to get out there and sell your skills. And I think, again, some of this is just business and sales and marketing is not healthcare professional strong suit. Obviously that's what got them into healthcare, but, um, they're very passive with wanting to learn that and understanding how it plays a huge role in a lot of it to get, you know, what you want and not to go off in a healthcare tangent, but insurance is the main reason for why they these places are the way they are and it's why it's so hard for me to to grow and survive in what i'm trying to do um what happens is in healthcare is the way insurances work insurances basically provide you access to their patients and they give them a discounted rate and we sign a contract to go in network at a rate for those to access to those patients. So really that's what insurance is. We're buying at a cheaper um, reimbursement access to availability. So if you think about it as a whole, we've basically offloaded our sales and marketing, our ability to find people to help to insurance companies for a huge cut that they continue to cut every year. So instead of actually fixing the problem, again, why? Why are we actually doing this? This is what's going on in my head. Why are we fixing people with motor vehicle accidents for 30 or $40 a visit? Like, that's what we're getting paid? That doesn't even pay for our salary. Like, why are we signing these? But again, it's just the insurance world is, is a, again, a whole nother uh, podcast. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, we're just, we're offering our discounted services for way too cheap. But at the same token, I understand a little bit about why insurances do that. I mean, there's, and again, this isn't a bash on PTs. It's not a bash on chiros. It's not a bash on surgeons, but there's lots of good surgeons. There's bad surgeons too. There's terrible physical therapists. There's great chiros. It's not a profession thing. But when you have that wide mix of what you get for a certain condition, there's so much, there's so much deviation in the, in the quality that the insurance company has to get some general estimate of, okay, well, if one person provides this much quality and the other one provides this much, we have to pay all those people this much to make our money, right? So that's what it is. And if I believe I'm, I'm one of these guys, I need to prove it and I'm going to do it. Right. It's harder for me to treat my patient because I have to do 30 minutes of paperwork. I don't have time to ask the right questions of, oh, Marty, your, your pain's in your shoulder. By the way, does it, is it harder to turn your neck? Do you have numbness and tingling down your hand? Does your hand feel a little weaker? No one asks you that because they don't got time, right? So because of my right. stubbornness to accept insurance payments at these places, 
I now have the freedom and time to be able to provide a higher quality, which I know I can do and seek people out that won't get better or don't get better or who have already failed the system. So in my mind, I, I will never, you know, my job is to, to, with what I do, is never to replace brick and mortar PT. Some people need brick and mortar. They need the hands, they need the heat, they need the stim. Um, but there is a group of people that I target and I filter and siphon just like a surgeon. If a surgeon does just shoulders and he only wants to take the non-smoking rotator cuff tears, he siphons those patients and fixes them. I do the same thing. Um, and I get the people I know I'm going to do well with and the people that I think could do better with other places or other things, I'll outsource them to the other people. What's so scary, Steve, is that you're the smallest, tiny, you know, minority compared mm-hmm. to the majority of how typically physical therapists and I'm sure all sort of healthcare. They're far and few in between, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very scary because as a country as a whole, if, if that's kind of what we're doing, I just can't imagine just the the people that that are, you know, getting they're, they're just they're flying under the radar. They're getting they're, they're getting missed diagnosed they're not really getting the full you know treatment and again it's not on the the doctor it's the system that is is failing americans and it's failing it's failing people who who really need the help and the pro and the biggest problem i think is out of all of this is is you know I, you know put take the money aside it's it's you think about everybody that becomes a doctor to help people and they go mm-hmm. fuck this this is not what i signed up for but you get a job and then you have a kid and then you have a house you got to pay for. Yeah. And now it's like constantly asking to see more patients because insurance is cutting benefits. So instead of 75 patients a week, you got to see 80 the next year. And then you got to see 85 and you just continue to churn and burn because insurances have almost I don't think they've ever raised physical therapy reimbursement once they cut it every year, every single year. Um, so it's a it's a it's a really if you if you did a podcast with all different healthcare professionals, a lot of them are dealing with serious anxieties about about what we're talking about. I mean, it's just a never ending cut for what you're trying to do. And it's funny because the cost of healthcare just continues to rise and it, it's exposing the problem. But again, the positive spin of that is the enormous pot- amount of potential to fix people that are un- unfortunately being mistreated, overutilized getting x-rays and MRIs that do not need to be taken, getting surgeries, believe it or not, 11% of surgeries are on the wrong body part. <laughs> yeah. That's I remember you told me surgeons that. Make, they make decisions solely on images and they don't do a pain assessment. They don't do repeated motions to understand sources of pain. And just like you had said, to go to, go to you again, right? You came with a shoulder injury that you thought was a shoulder and you're not stupid because you didn't know. You did nothing wrong. You thought it was your shoulder. And if you went to your primary care, you went to an ortho, they take an x-ray of your shoulder because that's your main complaint. And you're what, 33? Yep. So guessing based on the relative numbers for a 50-year-old, if we took an image of your left shoulder, there's a probably a 30% chance you have a torn rotator cuff right now as we speak. And it's asymptomatic and there's no loss of function. Wow. And there's probably a 25% chance you have some arthritis in there already. Um, but that's ear, ear, uh, it's not related to your problem. It's a finding it's there. Um, but obviously if you go in with the main complaint of a shoulder and we find images and that's their best way of how to, how to solve the problem, 
um, you're right. You could have gone under the knife and your, your problem wasn't there. Um, so that leads mm. down to a whole nother road of possibilities. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can name all the areas of the body and, and what images can produce asymptomatic findings that are normal without um, pain and with pain. So that just adds to the complexity of PTs and, and healthcare professionals. The good ones have been trying to educate the public on that for a long time. Uh, well, five to 10 years, we've really realized that damage and pain are two different things. And there is such thing as asymptomatic findings and they're all over the body. But again, the problem is everywhere. I don't know. Who do you, where do you start? Do you start with insurances and blame insurance companies? Do you start with the public not knowing enough? Or do you blame it on the fact that primary cares are still the, the gatekeeper to healthcare? They're the first stop for the boomers. That's all they know. Um, but they know very little about musculoskeletal pain, actually. We're the specialists, but it takes three or four steps to get there. Well, you don't have time. You're flipping houses. You're working hard. And other people have a, have a baby. They don't have time to go to these three, four steps, waste money on un- unnecessary stuff. So, again, there's endless ways to try to fix this, but it's so enormous and there's so many things working against it, but um, it's just continued education and just providing honest healthcare, and that's all you can really do. I mean, you know, I, again, I could talk about the problems are all over, you know. So, well, one of the things that you said that was really interesting to me when when we talked before and we've talked off camera is about pain, and and just like the. The way that pain it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, right? I mean, there's there's some pain. You you've said you know pain's very interesting in, in that in that it's you know you might feel a pain here, but it's actually there, and you really dive in on people and and really want to find out the pain. Can you yeah. talk about that and just like the dynamics of pain? Yeah, so pain is very complex. Inherently, pain is good. Pain is an alarm system, so. All it's telling you to signal is change. It's like hunger. Hunger is telling you to fucking eat. (laughs) Pain is to keep you alive. That's what it's for, right? If I take my finger right now and I stretch it, that feels good. If I keep going, okay, just cracked. Okay, okay, okay. And if I go quick, like that hurt, right? Did I just damage my finger? No, I didn't because I stopped because it hurt. Right. So pain stops you before damage, right? So inherently pain is a good thing. It's an alarm system. It's to keep you alive and it's, uh, it's changeable. And it's also influenced by what patients and most people don't understand is it's not just influenced by mechanical input, right? It is, it is influenced by so many different things. It's influenced by your beliefs, how much you know about pain is so important to actually getting people's pain to go away. Believe it or not, I know that sounds a little voodoo and crazy, but it's not. Um, pain is adaptable to the environment, right? If you grew up in a house, again, going back to, you know, if you had a, if your dad had a shoulder injury his whole life and it took him out of his work and he had to retire because of that, that would play a role in your likelihood of, of in your prognosis and the amount of time to get you better. Um, you know, I did this post a while ago on it was just a really weird thought I had when I was running. Cause that's when I'm like smartest when I'm running. And yeah, me too. <laughs> and I thought, man, pain is a lot like money in a way. And the, the, the reasons I kind of got to that without trying to get too much into it, but 
pain, I'm sorry, money, it's a, there's a number to it, right? There's an objective number, but you know, think of something generic. Like I think my post was, if I have a thousand dollars, should I spend that money? What's your answer? What comes to your mind? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What makes you say that? Because I like to spend money, but I like to more invest money in things. So I don't like to keep money. I know that's kind of against things, but but a lot of times if I have money, I'm figuring out a way to put it into something that's going to grow my money. Okay, so you see potential of that. What if you had a what if you had a family and you had a baby at home who had nine hundred dollars in bills per month? Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, that changes things. Yeah, absolutely. Do you you know the 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 point of the post was we need more information than that, you dummy. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Look at me, like immediately someone's like, I got an opportunity. Here's a thousand bucks. What do you do? I'll just, let's go. What, what do you got? <laughs> but the questions that precipitate is like, dude, we need more information. Is, are you right. saying I have a thousand dollars for the rest of my life? Are you saying yeah, I right. have a job that I make a thousand dollars for every two weeks? Do I have a family I have to feed? Do I have, a, do I have daycare? Do you, do, you, right. do you live in a country where $1,000 is a ton of money? Or do you live in New York City where $1,000 is nothing? So your personality and your lifestyle and your goals and your knowledge affect that number and make it more or less valuable. Your environment, where you physically live, changes $1,000, whether you're in New York City or if you're in um, Syracuse, that $1,000 is different money. It's different. So Absolutely. the reason, and again, my, my, my goal for that post was to get people to be like, dude, we need more info. It doesn't make sense. You know, do I have a, like, what do you mean? And, and that's the complexities of pain, you know, going back to a pain and how it's a little bit more complex. Like, um, and again, this is an example I give with like a lot of my um, patients. So if you're walking into the street and you have to cross the street and you trip down the curb and you sprain your ankle, and you're laying in the road, does your ankle hurt? Of course it does. Well, if the car is coming and lays its horn on because it's about to kill you, does your ankle hurt anymore? (laughs) No. Believe it or not, no. So your brain actually sends signals down to shut that pain off so you can survive the bigger threat. Makes sense. Pain is similar in ways where, you know, a lot of people um, get um, kind of ostracized or picked on with people with chronic pain and fibromyalgia and these type of conditions, which are real conditions that unfortunately most people don't understand. So it's just easier to say they're crazy. Um, but what happens is the nervous system, the alarm system becomes hypervigilant. They've been dealing with it for so long that if, you know, going back to the alarm system example, if someone breaks into my house right now, the alarm will go off. Okay. Um, what happens in patients like that is, they have had pain for so long and the alarm systems have gone on for so long that it gets louder. And what happens is the body starts to lay down more cameras because it, it, it can't, the problem's not solved. So it gets louder, it gets overprotective um, as an adaption to try to keep you alive. Um, so then rehab for those kind of conditions, it's on education, it's on exercise, but there's more complexities to it on how to bring the cameras down and get back to really what's a threat and what's not. I love that. I love that because I think that's so good that that pain is something that it could be a good sign. It could be a bad sign. There's more to it. That's why, like you said, you got to ask questions yep. 
And and that's where, you know, one of the things I think about at, at times, and it's got to be tough, is that, you know, people will go, well, Steve, ow, that hurts. I, I don't want to do that. It's like, but that's what's going to get you better. And here's an example, right? So when my lower back hurt, you said, you know, do, you know, get on your stomach and then basically do like a cobra, right? You do that cobra up. And if you guys don't know what that looks like, just Google it and you'll see it. But that hurt very bad the first time I did it. And then the second time I did it, it hurt a little bit bad. It didn't hurt as bad, I should say. But then the third and fourth time, I it didn't hurt at all. Yeah. And then my back started to feel better. So that's kind of that's got to be tough to kind of get that into people's skulls is like, scary. Hey, scary. yeah, yeah. So is that another thing about just building the rapport and talking to them and saying, listen, you, you got to get them to trust you that like, Hey, I'm here to help you. Right. That's the art. That's the rapport. And, and again, you know, pain is a very difficult language, right? Again, I'm medically trained and, and you have to be able to speak the language that the patient speaks to be able to get all your your medical jargon out to someone who hears it in a different way so it's you know we use these pain metaphors they're called it's called pain neuroscience education where really the whole system is developing a common language to get all my nerdy science out in a way that's perceivable and digestible to the patient you know and for that example i i could i could probably tell you what i told you i probably told you does it hurt when you have a sliver in your hand and, and you push it out? Well, unfortunately it does, right? But why do we keep doing it? We keep doing it because we, we realize it's actually getting better as we push. Right. And for an example, man, if we pushed on it 10 times and it hurt, but afterwards you realize you're, man, I can move my thumb way more. Now I can squeeze and it's like, it's better. So pain has to be a, a, a attached to other variables that help you decide if it's a good pain or not. Right. If, if you can't, if, you know, going to a back pain example, again, if someone, if someone had a back injury and, you know, I check their motion and let's say Oof, that motion's really stiff and it hurts. There's their pain right there. Right. And I back when I say, ah, that's it right there, right in my sacroiliac, right on the dimple, right where my chiropractor told me my leg is longer than the other. Right. It's right there. Yep. Go do a stretch and it's hitting that spot, but we're just nudging it. Right. We got to learn about it. And I'm talking through this with the patient. I said, we got to learn about it. Cause it's there. If we don't do anything, you hurt worse. You told me, right. if I sit and do nothing, I get stiffer. And I teach the best, your body's way of telling you not doing that more, do that less. So good. Right. Telling them why I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm just, I'm interpreting what the body's telling me. And I, and that's what I do. I, when I get in those situations, I say, listen, I'm not ever going to do anything to you that I think is going to be harmful. I'm on your team, right? I'm your right. This is my, why would I ever do anything to hurt you? And then I'm explaining the reasons about why I'm thinking that. Well, you said, let me hear, let me make sure this is right. If you sit for 30 minutes and you get out of the car, you, you, you have to, you have to, you have to walk out of there and get loosened back up. Is that right? And yeah, yeah. First thing in the morning, are you really stiff and painful? Yeah. But then it's, you know, it's better once I get moving. So your body just told me moving helps mm. and not moving makes things worse. And by the way, when you sit, you're in flexion. So that's bending, right? So if knees to chest stretching is bending and your body's telling me that's not the motion that do, and it's making you worse. Well, guess what we should probably do. We should start to work on the opposite because that's what your body's telling me. It's telling you to move you more and it's telling me not to flex you, which is making you more problematic. We got to go the other way. 
And it hurts because we're getting to the problem. Right. But again, again, all these other variables play a big role in this. Has a, has a previous chiropractor or PT always flexed them and temporarily that would make them feel good. But you're here because your back pain, you told me your back pain's getting worse, right? And you said what your chiropractor did helped. Can you explain that? So again, I'm making them kind of defend their the beliefs right. that got them to where they are. Well, I can definitely see how that might provide temporary relief, but you're telling me it's getting more painful to go up and down the stairs and you can barely get out of your car. You're getting worse, it sounds. Yeah, yeah you know what, you, you're right. Um, so, you know, I just, again, use, I, I use, I put things into a frame that's understandable and I just, I, I, I interpret. I interpret and spit it out in a language that's digestible and that's a huge part of it. Yeah, and it's and it's so helpful for people who don't know what's going on and they can't tell you other than you can see from their movement. And obviously this is just being a doctor, right? These are things that you mm -hmm. pick up on as you learn, but it, it really is mm -hmm. something that, and I'm telling you guys, he does it whether he's in front of you or, you know, in person or through, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, iPad or, or your, your, your Apple phone. It, it's really incredible. And that's why I, I really needed you here so that you could tell people because, and I need to get better at this too, because there's times where I'm like, I should probably, you know, have you as like a, on like a monthly thing. And I think that's a big thing that I think, I think that's going to happen more is people are going to start going, you know, especially the high performers who really want to get the best out of their abilities is they're going to need to have someone like you that is on like a monthly, mm -hmm. hey, I need to see a monthly. And it's like, it just becomes like a, it becomes like a Netflix, but it's like, yeah, but that shit is, you know, rotting your brain at like eight, $18 an hour. But if you did it for a hundred bucks a month, it, it, I can help you. I can literally make you feel great. Yeah. And what I do is I trim the fat. So again, that's where this overutilization, it's nothing against what I used to do. But if, again, if I think back to the treatments I used to do for someone with back pain to what I do now, but again, that's my, that's my infinite curiosity to get better. And, and again, for my own career to trim the fat, get better, get more efficient. And, um, so that is a part of it. And, you know, where my business is going, and I really think where healthcare needs to go is to get more fluid. And we don't, you know, truly, like, I hope I'm able to say is that healthcare professionals are extremely smart and, and we're the skill. It's not the, it's not the equipment. It's not the gym. It's not the stim pads that buzz you. It's not even manipulations. Manipulations, no matter how skilled a chiropractor or PT tells you are, manipulations are general. They're not specific. If someone pokes you and says that's your L4, it's out of place. That's not been proven with any science. It's not true. They're general. And, you know, again, it's not to bash one or the other, but, um, this stuff is really, um, it's teachable. It's teachable, but there's a lot of science and, and knowledge that goes into how to deliver it. And there's an art to it. And um, you're right. I, I see a lot of future with my career in being more fluid and less barriers, right? So again, I started with the telehealth. I do concierge. I go to people's homes with my treatment table and all the stuff I need to get people better. Um, news to you i haven't told you yet i actually just signed the lease yesterday wow I have a space. congrats dude yeah so i got a little space in the in the village of spencerport at the perfect spot at the perfect price for me to help people because again my job and my my goals are not to prove that brick and mortar healthcare facilities shouldn't exist that's not true they should 
My goal in my career is to decrease the barriers to provide higher quality access at any point in time, mm. whether it's a job and you get hurt flipping a house and you can't move your back, I can get you on a phone or I can come there. If someone's walking around Spencerport, I can get them there. There's, it's about availability and decreased barriers. So there's, I believe instead of the hundred percent of a business in, in PT world being in a brick and mortar facility, I, I can treat 20 million people in New York state and 16 million of them have back pain right now. <laughs> I, I just have to say that you guys can tell that Steve gives an F and you want somebody who cares and he really does. And I know a lot of people do, but he, he can come with a passion and with an enthusiasm that if you haven't had that before, or if you're kind of like sick of having the same experience of just kind of ho-hum and you, you need to change up someone who's going to put in some real life and really get to the problem and not just try to gloss over it. This is the guy to go see. So Hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. I appreciate the plug. How many visits did I see you for your neck? Do you remember? Man. So there was a few, there was a few in person and then we did a couple, but you know, but I've been a, I've been a mess. I, I had my knee. I was with you. I had my lower back and, and they all kind of blend together, but it, it was, I'll say this, I'll say this. The first time I saw you about my shoulder in that first 20 minutes, it went from a shoulder to a neck problem and my neck after that adjustment felt better uh, immediately. And I, it, I couldn't sleep the night before. So I, I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. That's why that, that day I made that appointment and you were able to see mm -hmm. me. And in that yeah. quick time, just stretching the neck and those weird, funky things that made me do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it on my camera, but I, and I'm sure you can, you can do them and you'll show people it, it, it immediately provided relief. And that's what I was looking for. Yeah, exactly. So in, in your problem, in everyone's problems, a little different, believe it or not, your problem was like, dude, I got to go to work. I need to get this solved quick. Talking's over. I need to, I need to get you some change right now and prove to you this thing is not an emergency. It's okay. Again, other people coming in, their their thoughts and their beliefs and their how long they dealt with, they're a little different. So again, every person's a little different on how you attack it. And it's again, relating to your business, you know, every single person that's needs your help to help them get out of a situation, it's so different that your your strategies are so different per person. There's no there's no easy way to do it, man. You just have to be adaptable and learn how to speak to someone and, and gain rapport. Um, but yeah, I guess where I was going with that was, you know if going back to the plug on me, I guess is my, my big thing is I try to get people better much more quickly, much more efficiently. I trim the fat. And again, it's, it's to get people better without halting their life. It's to continue doing what they want to do. Just as I do, I teach people to be their own physical therapist. I fix it with you. You know, again, I compare myself to a car mechanic that fixes your problem in the shop with you. I then, what I do differently, instead of just giving you a card and a bill, and this is great, thank you so much, we'll see you next time. I say, do you wanna learn how to change your own oil so you never have to pay me again mm. for this? Do you wanna show you how to fix your own tires? Like as a, a millennial who has student loans up the ass and has a family, I wanna do everything that I can and, and invest that money. I'm similar in that way, that I wanna invest and in, in grow in my financial freedom. So I respect that out of my patients to not force feed false information that yeah you need to see me for six months twice a week because your knee hurts and it's arthritic
no, 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 let's, let's, let's back off on that a little bit. I need to teach and, sh- and we need to move this first before we get to that. Um, yeah. So. And that's why you sold me. And it, it wasn't that that was the reason I, I already knew that I trusted you uh, just because of the way you are. But that kind of point of like, listen, buddy, I don't want to see you again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, listen, I, I don't want to buy a beer with you at the restaurant or the bar. Like, right. That's my goal. And I want I want to fix you so quickly that you tell all your neighbors and your friends about how amazing that experience was. Man, I was I, I you know, I have these I have these examples all the time. But I had this lady who um, was going to a chiropractor for three years for what was called piriformis syndrome, which is basically um, a syndrome that has not been proven by medicine that the piriformis actually tightens and causes sciatic symptoms. If you've got symptoms down your leg, it's coming from your back. Okay. And it might, but my job was not to prove to her, her chiropractor was wrong. Cause if I said that the second she got there, she would have walked out and said, fuck you, man, yeah. this guy this has been helping me for two years. How dare you say right. that? The way you speak and the way you kind of dive into stuff at certain times. And, and by the way, where this is going was she was, finished with me and she told me she was 95% better in three visits <laughs> and it was coming from her back. So again, it's not to brag, but it's again about more questions. It's about ga- giving people locus of control. It's not an external giving you the locus of control to fix this, but also, you know, a big part of it is having the correct diagnosis too. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's fun, man. It's complex. It's, it's complex and simple at the same time. It's an art and um, it's, it's exciting. So, well, this guy really cares and I want to be cognizant of his time. I know he's a family. He's got to go, but I just want to say, Steve, where can they find you? Where can people find you? Where can they go? Where, where are you? How can people get a hold of you to book an appointment? So uh, you can find me at retrievept.com. Um, on my website currently, I got some updating to do with obviously the news I just told you, but um, I'm open to telehealth appointments. I have a whole bunch of hours as I work another part-time job. Um, I do concierge visits. So I go to people's homes. Um, I've gone to a hotel room for someone who flew in and couldn't get off the plane and couldn't sleep. I did a back uh, evaluation there. Um, I can go to people's jobs. Again, that's where the concierge and telehealth come into play. And in the near future, uh, 138 South Union Street in the village of Spencerport, right above Grandpa Sam's. Um, that's where I'm going to be building my my little brick and mortar uh, facility to offer more. So uh, lots of changes coming, and uh, and I'm just like, I, I yesterday was a bit surreal for sure. Uh, it's just like, um, you know, it's just the opportunity I've been really waiting for and trying to be patient, and that's something that's hard, you know. Um, Absolutely. It's these small steps that you continue to take action on, and. You know, you get these little glimmers that happen and uh, it makes it all worthwhile. But at the same time, you know, you don't take the foot off the gas. You just have to get excited. And um, there's a lot of people that need help. There's so many people that need my help. It's scary, um, but exciting, you know, at the same time. So, well, I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. I just I'm excited for you. No one deserves it more than you. But guys, that's it. That's the show. Go reach out to Steve. He's on Facebook. He just told you where his website was. One more thing. You got more time? Yeah, of course. All right. I got one more thing because I didn't know what we were going to talk about. I have been, again, I was running, right? Yeah. Hold on. Did you run today? I did not run today. Did Um, you work out today? No, I didn't. Um, Mm. I, during the summer, I golf 
every morning, nine holes at five 30 in the morning before the baby's up. And I get home by seven 30. Um, I do that three days a week. And then the other days I run, but, um, in the summer, truly my exercise is my housework, my yard work. I'm doing stuff all the time. And I, right. You know, not to get back into PT too much, but my exercise is my life. And I, and I, my maintenance is knowing what I do and don't do in life. And I offset that. So again, everyone's life's a little different on really what should be prescribed and how little and how much, but everyone's is so different. Some people need to back off and do mobility. Some people need to do more and strengthen. Again, that's a little bit of an art to it. But one thing I wanted to talk about with you, dude, because I, you yeah. know, again, I can't, I get so excited about what you guys do and I really know shit about it, but for some reason it gets me so <laughs> excited and I want to get in at some point about real estate and stuff like that. But yeah. dude, I've had these conversations with you and how we have such different jobs and careers, but how there's so many things that relate and how we actually can help each other. I know we've talked about this briefly, but I had more ideas that I want to tell you because I think it would actually apply to the people, obviously, that I think you're going to show this to. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what drives people out of their homes to, to need your services? What is the problem? I'm asking you. Yeah. And, and, and this is a really good question because it takes a good question to find that answer because you're not going to get that up front unless they're extremely frantic, right? If, if someone's coming to you with an emergency, you'll get that. The driver of why people need to get out of their home is that there is a serious problem like in regards to the the house let's just say is a weight on them it's a legitimate burden and it could be a number of reasons if you want me to get into those get into one or two of them so one of the ones that we find a lot is through a a death in the family um you know aunt sally died and she left a house in Rochester and you're in Florida and you got the house, you don't really need, you don't know what you're doing with it. You want to get out of it. The other one is a tired landlord. Yeah. Uh, you got a landlord who's owned the property for 40 years. He's 75. He's like, I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to get this thing gone and I don't want to list it. So those are, those are kind of the, the big two. So where I was going with this is because obviously I told you I'm going into homes and I'm helping people that have um, unfortunately suffered medical events that mm. lead to this. And and I would imagine, again, I'm not a know-it-all and I don't know, but I would imagine most of the people that are in your groups and follow you are mostly financial based, right? They can't, they can't do this house and there's financial reasons as to why. Correct. I, you understand clearly, again, there's some other reasons that finances probably tie into that as well. But one thing I've realized that I think, you know, if there's, if I can offer anything that's maybe surprising is I look at things in a medical, through medical glasses, right? I think most of your people probably look financially or investment wise, money wise. But one thing I was thinking about was, I think I had told you, I said, man, I, I help, I, I'm treating someone right now that actually probably needs you. They're looking to get rid of their house. They cannot deal with this. And I wish I could give you that information, but I can't because HIPAA law, right. yeah. it's just not legal. It's, it's not something I can do, but man, I right. wish I could find a way to do that. So one thing I was thinking about was running is if I could teach you guys anything about what I do and how it might relate to your business immediately is you talk a lot about cold calling. 
right? Cold yeah. probably produces X percent of an actual sale. Maybe it's 1%. I, I don't know the number, 5%, whatever, who knows? But yeah. I mentioned a lot about cold calling. And what I would recommend, and maybe this is a little bit out of my zone and maybe I'm way off, but if, if, I, if I drive by a house and there's a metal ramp leading to their front door, you're go, you better go into that house. Or if they're outside and they're struggling to get the garbage can and they got a metal ramp, I would pull over and offer some help to that guy. Wow. Because- That's a slight trick. That's, that is really good. Why is that metal ramp there? Do you know why? Because I know why. Right. The metal ramp is there because they can't get in and out of their house without a ramp, which means they're physically incapable of getting in and out of their house, which means if you catch them at the right time or if they're struggling enough, you would be able to solve a problem for them. So if you went to a house with 100 houses and none of them have ramps, your cold call percent would probably be 1% or whatever. If you go into a facility or a track with 100 houses and 10 of them have metal ramps in the front and the other 10 have garage doors open and there's a walker and a wheelchair there, or you drive by and there's a car with a handicap sticker in the, in the car, those cold call percents got to be double or triple, at least that. That's really good. And I agree because, you know, that, that's such like a, a, they're trying to quick fix something with the metal ramp, right? It's, you know, it's expensive, but whatever. But, you know, the whole house isn't going to be accessible for someone that has a handicap. They got to, they got to, they got to downsize into something that's going to be more, you know, that's going to be more appropriate for this, for their, you know, for their, yeah. new, their new life. If this is something that they have going on, a stroke, whatever it might be, that this is the reason why they have, there's a metal ramp there. So dude, that's really good. I've never heard that. I've never, one's, no one's ever said that. So that's really interesting. There's, there's all those medical things. And again, you know, again, if, if I was to just somehow get involved in real estate, knowing my medical side and having those little tidbits that I think are actually useful, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but if I see an older gentleman, you know, taking 10 minutes to get to his mailbox with a walker, you know, I, truly as a, as a healthcare professional, I'm going to just go talk to that guy and be nice to him. And, you know, if you were to be able to approach people, you know, almost think of yourself as a, you know, not a medical professional, but if you're, if you're going there and just trying to create some rapport with somebody, you know, I think a lot of those times you could actually solve some problems because again, with those ramps, with the, with the handicap stickers, the walkers, the, the, the wheelchairs in the driveway, those people, it's just a waiting game before they have to get out of their house. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a problem that at some point, whether it's new or, you know, eventually, you know, they might be struggling and they don't have family to solve their problems and stuff like that. So it's just a thought that I had that, um, I don't know. I just really good. I knew it was probably something you guys haven't thought about, but also it could come off probably negatively with the wrong context. I mean, it's not taking advantage of these people, but they're having issues. And if, right. if you were to help them solve those problems, that's what you do. You solve people's problems with them. I do the same thing. Um, so I just thought that was a unique way and um, possibly into helping some situations. And, you know, hundred percent, um, you know, being able to build that rapport like you can is so important. And Hey, you know, let me help you walk, you know, let me help you get back and how long you've been in the house and you know how to develop rapport. I've heard you say it in your, your posts all the time. You do it really well. And, uh, you know, the little conversations sometimes lead really far and, and can get you, you never know. So I don't know. I just thought that was a, 
a random idea that I had to get off my chest, whether I'm completely. No, it's great. I, I truly believe that can be very helpful. I mean, obviously not everybody's going to want to leave their house with a ramp. Obviously that's not what, what you're saying, but I get, I get actually the real theme in, in, in the message of it being, Hey, if this is something that might look new in your neighborhood or in an area that you're looking to invest in, you know, again, people don't know their options. They think that this is all they have is like, hey, I, you know, no one's going to want this house, especially now that I have this metal ramp here. And, and now I have to kind of figure out how my new life is, you know, having this, you know, maybe disability and I have to adjust to what my current, my, my previous home was, and it's like, yeah. no, there's a better way I can buy your property, right? Yeah. I know, I'll pay a fair value for the condition. And now you can take that money and go and move into something that's going to be ADA accessible. Yeah. I, I, I treated someone earlier this week who she's 93. She lives alone. She's had a metal ramp for 15 years. She can only get out of the ramp. But I'm telling you, she should probably be with how often she falls and gets hurt. She's got a daughter that moved up from North Carolina to help her. Her husband has passed and, you know, she's been in her home for a very long time. Um, but if you approach it the right way and with sincerity and understanding, you know, why these people stay in their homes when maybe it's not the best option or they don't have any other options, at least providing a card and a number to help. And there are other options. If you ever, you know, need some help, let me know and we could help you get that answer or something like that. But I just thought that it would be with how, how, motivated and excited and how differently you think out the box i thought that might be a tidbit of information that might be nowhere near where you maybe think off the bat but again i drive i you know i drive all the time and i'm looking at houses and i see a ramp and i see you know those type of things but that's the way i think so um again it's just a it's just a curious thing that i thought about that could be a whole nother reason to why people might need your services it's mainly financial but there's also medical reasons to why people need help getting out of their house. And, you know, um, so I don't know, it's just a, it's something that crossed my mind. And uh, I had it in my, I had it in my backup in case, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good. Know, so who knows, but yeah, I don't know. So good. Uh, Uncle Steve coming up with different ideas for everybody. It's, he's, he's got ideas and they're good. That's the best part. Some of them are good. You just got to filter them out and try it. <laughs> well, running's a big help uh, with that. And my best ideas, and I'm sure same with you, come when I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, that's it. Unless Steve's got any more ideas for us. That's it. <laughs> just be aware of those because those, again, are out there. And I just thought it would be something to bring up. So It was excellent. I've never heard it before, and I'm going to – I'm not even going to tell people what I'm going to do with it, but I know what I'm going to do with it. So I appreciate you, Steve. Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. That's the show. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grizzani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.